This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., Natasha Sardorch and I are greatly honored to welcome a great American, a patriotic and principal leader, Congressman Mike Bost from the great heartland of America. Congressman Mike Bost is from the great state of Illinois and represents the 12th district in the U.S. House of Representatives. Right from high school, Mike Bost enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps, serving his country from 1979 to 1982. His son also followed him in his footsteps, and for over two decades, Mike Bost and his spouse Tracy have been successful small business owners. In the 117th Congress, Representative Bost serves on two key committees, Veterans Affairs and Transportation Infrastructure. On the Veteran Affairs Committee, he serves as the ranking member, the top Republican on the committee. And without any further delay, and behalf of our engaged listeners in the Midwest and the South, we welcome to America's Roundtable, Congressman Mike Boss. Welcome and a good morning to you, sir. Welcome, Congressman Boss. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Natasha. Thank you for having me on. This past week, we joined our fellow Americans in commemorating Veterans Day 2021. Veterans Day originated as Armistice Day on November 11, 1919, the first anniversary of the end of World War One. Congressman Bost, uh, my father, a World War II concentration camp survivor, remembers all too well the sacrifices made by America and its allies when they landed on the Italian mainland in September 1943. It was then that guards at the World War II concentration camp in Italy opened the gates and fled. My grandmother, holding the hands of my father, then aged 12, and his younger brother, began their long walk back home. They were frail and malnourished. It was America's dedication to freedom and its mission to fight against tyranny that saved my family in Europe. And on behalf of our family, my 90-year-old father, and the millions in Europe and the Asia-Pacific region, we thank America's brave veterans and all who served with honor for their service and extraordinary sacrifice. Congressman Bost, you served our nation in the United States Marine Corps, and your son followed in your footsteps and served the nation in the Marine Corps, as well as a judge advocate, both as an active duty Marine and now as a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. Thank you for your service. Thank you. As you reflect on this past week's events and also the unique time to mark the 100th anniversary of the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington National Cemetery, what is your message to our fellow Americans and a new generation of Americans who have been gifted a most unique republic on the face of this earth and the responsibility to defend our nation and preserve our freedoms? You know, one thing that uh, is vitally important to remember about Veterans Day is uh, that, you know, we have one day, but we need to remember our 
our veterans every day. Absolutely. Right. You know, I am blessed in the fact that my, my grandfather, my father, father, uncles uh, served in the military, both Marines and Army. And as you mentioned, my son, but also now a grandson who is a Lance Corporal in the Marine Corps and worked on F-18s in Miramar, California. So Veterans Day is important to us, to the family, but it's important to us as a nation. And at a time when turmoil is moving through this nation with what we see in politics, you know, the respect that we need to have for our veterans above all else, and that way um, to also show respect to those veterans and then to encourage others to serve, because remember, we are just a, we could be just a generation, if not less, away from the loss of those freedoms. How well your parents knew that in Europe when tyranny of Nazis, as things rolled across Europe, you know, we can have that happen in the world, whether it's through China or through Russia, and we should always be on our guard and always encourage those to understand that this free freedom that we have isn't free and that we need to remember those men and women who have served. Another important part of Veterans Day or Veterans Week is November 11th is Veterans Day. But November 10th is the Marine Corps birthday. So we kind of do this double celebration thing. So the Marine Corps turned 246 years old this year. It looks pretty good for 246. Then right on into Veterans Day. And I was around the entire district going to events. I actually went to elderly care facilities where a lot of veterans, decorated veterans were there just to thank them because they couldn't get out as they age. And uh, we had celebrations there for them as well, knowing how much we appreciate what they did. Absolutely, Congressman Bost. On the Biden administration's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan and the problems that occurred during the 20 years in Southwest Asia, both the House and Senate in late September began work to establishing a commission similar to the commission formed to examine intelligence failures in the wake of the September 11 attacks. Congressman Bost, in reviewing the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan and how 13 U.S. service members were killed killed by a suicide bomber outside the Kabul airport and the hundreds of Americans that were left behind, what were your impressions of the manner in which the Biden administration carried out this crucial mission and how do we ensure that we do not repeat the same mistakes? The first thing is, is that we once again let politicians try to rule on how a, a military action was taken. And a politician that was reacting in a way that was totally was unwise. Let me explain that I've said to several people, if you were a private in any branch of the service that ever played a risk game, you knew to make a better withdrawal than the withdrawal that they made. You don't give away your forward position until and and remove your troops and, and the power that you need until all civilians and allies are removed from the war zone. We were setting in a situation where we had not had even attack for 18 months. We were setting in a very good position. We were also had a good position with the, the forward airport where we gave up with the ability to look in and have a close forward post for the two biggest threats to the United States, that's China and Russia. We gave that up. Then we made a ridiculous withdrawal. And let me also say this. I want to mention that in my district is Scott Air Force Base. 
which also houses what's known as Transcon. They're the ones that coordinated the move to get out of Kabul. Now, let me also say that what they did under the circumstances they were given, the men and women did a great job of a mass exodus. There's still others I believe we need to get out and we have not military per se troops on the ground, but former military still trying to get that done, even sometimes without the State Department's help. Uh, so we're trying to help that. But I do want to say thank you to those for that. The problem with the Biden administration was he, he did not take the advice, the early advice of how to handle this correctly, because it was about a show that he wanted to get done before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We do know that. We also know that, the, that his military advisors gave him different advice. Now, the difference between his military advisors and the advisors of a former president is they are there for advice. And if all of a sudden the president doesn't take their advice, the former president, if he didn't take their advice, guess what? Because it, it was always this big scandal. Well, they said he didn't want my advice, and therefore I will be resigning my post. Yet we had these two that went ahead and held their post, and they're still holding their post today. But yet the blood of those military personnel, those 13, not counting the civilians and all the others that, that passed in that attack, is on the hands of this president. And yet no one is being held accountable. We're doing the investigation, but with, with the parties that we're involved right now, and they think that if we just ignore it, that the, the general public will forget. They won't forget. The veterans won't forget. The, my fellow veterans and I are very, very angry because it was not handled correctly. It cost us lives, and it has cost us, and I think cost us in the long run, a forward positioning that we need to make sure we can guard against those who would do us harm. Congressman Bost, uh, according to data from the Department of Veteran Affairs, there are around 19 million veterans in America today, and almost 5 million of them have disabilities from their time in service. And this mm -hmm. month, in collaboration with USA Today, iNews Source published a story about veterans who ended up with significantly high amounts of medical debt because Veterans Affairs Administration refused to pay their medical bills. And you, Congressman Bost, you immediately shared the following words, and I quote, I'm increasingly alarmed by the concerns I hear from veterans and from stories like this one. They all point to one thing, Veterans Affairs Administration not following the law and holding veterans hostage to a healthcare system that is not serving them, unquote. Uh, Congressman Boss, could you kindly share with us what happened that these veterans were left to pay for their medical bills and what is your message to other veterans who may encounter similar problems? Okay, here's the situation when we're having it all over the place. During the previous administration, we passed what was known as the Mission Act. The Mission Act basically requires the VA that if a person can't receive service at a VA or they have a mileage distance from the VA and they can't get to it, or they can't provide those services in a certain length of time, then what happens is that the veteran then who is is duly qualified to receive those benefits can go to a private sector facility and get the health care that they need. Now, there's a process they must go through. But what we've seen with several VAs, uh, it is that they have then started trying to deny them access that is under the law that they would get. For instance, we have one person that has, uh, has had cancer and they were seeking their chemotherapy over the last year, year and a half, all of a sudden received a notice that they would no longer be able to go out in the community. They must go to the VA. Well, when they went to the VA, the doctor at the VA said, we're booked up on all of our beds and we don't have the ability to get people that. So that person then had to reach out to their member of Congress, 
They're, then we started having to work to get the VA to do what the VA was doing in the first place before they all of a sudden changed their, for some reason, changed their policy. I believe that what it is, there are certain bureaucrats in, now remember, the, the VA is the second largest bureaucracy in the world. And I believe that certain bureaucrats are trying to protect their job because they think we're going to close or try to privatize the VA. We're not trying to privatize the VA. We want an all-in policy to make sure that the health care is provided to the veterans who deserve it as quickly and as reliably and as high a quality as they can possibly receive. And we can only do that when we allow the doctor and the patient the veteran themselves, to make the decision on where they're going to receive that care and how they're going to receive the best care. That's what the Mission Act did. That's how the Mission Act is supposed to be implemented. And unfortunately, we're seeing uh, the VA kind of reacting as trying to protect themselves as bureaucrats rather than treat the veterans. That's not meaning that all people at the VA are like that. But there are certain people, and, and we want to make sure that everyone at the VA understands what they're doing is not protecting their job, but providing the best care for the veterans. Congressman Boss, the issue of inflation is a serious one that is impacting all Americans. And the Washington Times states, and I quote, wholesale prices at the end of October surged by 8.6% since October 2020, the highest year-over-year increase recorded by the federal government since it began tracking the data in 2010, the Labor Department reported Tuesday. The report is bad news for consumers struggling with sticker shock as prices climb, and it suggests that a high inflation rate is here to stay for a while, despite the Biden administration's insistence that it is temporary, unquote. And then the Wall Street Journal states, I quote, the highest inflation in three decades is posing a new challenge for President Biden as he seeks to enact another pillar of his economic agenda while also easing America's concern about rising consumer prices, unquote. Congressman Bost, the highest inflation in three decades is truly adversely affecting Americans across the country. The basic food prices energy prices, gas prices. And now we're seeing single-family households, the middle class, the working poor, every one of them affected. What are the long-term and specifically the short-term solutions that Republican leaders are working on to address these issues and specifically the cost of energy as we enter the winter season and also face these high prices of food? Let's look how we got here, first off. It's been through the administration themselves and poor policies that they aggressively put in place just because they didn't like the previous administration. The very first, the first thing they did was is shut down the Keystone Pipeline. When we were energy self-sufficient, we, we had our own energy. We were actually exporting energy. We were keeping our prices low. Well, all of a sudden, now you've got skyrocketing gas prices. Why? Because we're dependent on someone else to produce that energy. We, and, and it was done in multiple places. It, it, was, it was not only the pipeline. Then they instantly went and aggressively went after the drilling offshore, uh, the drilling uh, in Alaska. All of these things that uh, provided us that opportunity to keep our cost low when it came to our energy sources. But then you add with that the administration's decisions to passed the last COVID bill, which was a very large influx of money above product into the economy. 
What you have with inflation is you have lots of dollars chasing less products. And that's what we were at. So here we are trying to get people back to work. But no, they pass a bill that all of a sudden makes it where people don't want to go back to work. Pay them to stay home. Puts more money in, as well as doing this to the gas prices. Now you have the worst case scenario of the worst possible storm. So what we must do is, is we have to convince the administration, and some Democrats are waking up to this, but most of them are keeping their heads in the sand, just like the administration. When you have a president, all of a sudden, just earlier this week, speak up and go, oh my gosh, did you see how high the price, gas prices are in California? Where have you been? Where have you been, Mr. President? Why have you not woken up to this before? Look, we, we've got to work to make sure that we are getting the products off that are offshore inshore. And then we've got to make sure that we don't put policies in place like they have that discourages the return of all these companies that were coming home to the United States to produce those products here in the United States so they were readily available to keep the free market system working correctly. That's what we have to do. And we've got to get the general public to wake up to this fact that this is truly decisions made by the government. No matter how they, many times they stand on programs around this nation and say, oh, no, 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 this was all caused by COVID. No, it's caused by bad decisions during COVID. Indeed. We thank you so much for your time, for joining us, Congressman Bost. Thank you. And Congressman Mike Bost is from the great state of Illinois, representing the 12th district in the House of Representatives. And we encourage our listeners in the Midwest and the South to learn more about what Congressman Bost is doing by going to bostforcongress.com, B-O-S-T for congress.com. Thank you so much indeed for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Congressman Bost. Thank you both very, very much. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.